0: This is part two of why you can't create change in the classroom. Hey, it's Matt, and you're listening to the Math Foss Mashup. Thanks for joining me here today on Season 3, Episode 9, Why You Can't Create Change in the Classroom. This is our second time looking at the topic, and I'm thankful that you've chosen to spend this time with me here today. Let's jump right into it. You may not recognize the name of Ignates Philip Sammelweis, and I didn't recognize the name either prior to doing research for this episode. But Samuel Weiss was a Hungarian doctor in the mid-1800s whose impact changed our lives today forever. ...of being developed. And then one day, Semmelweis's friend dies at the hospital after accidentally being cut by one of the students during an autopsy of the dead women. And his friend dies with exactly the same symptoms as the women who die in the hospital. And this makes Semmelweis think that the disease might be communicable. So he studies the routine of the doctors, and typically <clears throat> they would perform autopsies in the morning, barehanded, and then they would go into the ward to help deliver babies and examine pregnant women barehanded. And this made him think that maybe cadaverous particles of some kind might be being transmitted from the dead women to the live women. Prior to Ignes Semmelweis. Doctors did not realize, on a broad scale, that their hands were the primary cause of fatalities in operations and surgeries. While he was often described as the savior of mothers, he was the early pioneer of antiseptics. Sammelweis discovered that fatalities due to childbed fever could drastically be reduced simply by washing hands with a chlorinated solution. And in the mid-1800s, this was revolutionary. He actually published several research articles that showed by washing hands, mortality was reduced to below 1%. This was a time when many women lost their lives as a result of medical procedures. Semmelweis, though a savior to many, revolutionizing how we practice medicine (laughs) or how medicine is practiced rather and saving the lives of countless women. Samuel Weiss died as a result of a nervous breakdown and was committed to an asylum. You see, he was driven crazy because the medical profession did not accept his explanation, his treatment for the childbed fever. You see, gentlemen physicians of the time were offended at the suggestion that they were the cause of these deaths that their hands were so unclean so to speak that it caused infections they mocked him for the suggestion that they should simply wash their hands and it was only years later when Louis Pasteur confirmed germ theory and other French biologists, research confirmed that Ignace Semmelweis was correct. Ideas don't spread because they're good, or in Semmelweis's case, because they're great. There are things that prohibit and inhibit the spread of great ideas. So what are they? Let's start with this one. It's a basic psychological term known as conformity bias. You see, this is chief among the pressures that resist change. And in our evolutionary history, this bias served a powerful role. You see, conforming to the norms of our group meant that we would survive. Because clearly, if there is a group, others had survived before us, and by conforming to the group, we also will survive. This bias is so ingrained. It's, it's the idea that we tend to conform to our social group even when a bright idea is better than our group's idea. Even when a different way of doing is better than our group's way of doing. This bias rears its ugly head when an idea or practice causes us to stand out from our social group. And even if we embrace a new idea or practice, we may still resist sharing it if it doesn't conform to the norms of the group. The power of social pressure is always going to be stronger than the power of a good idea. And unfortunately, this is what struck down Sammelweis' idea. In addition to our own bias towards conformity, there's another powerful influence, and this influence is called social trust. It's the idea that you may present a very logical and well-reasoned, even data-driven argument as to why I should do something. But the power of social trust will always trump the power of reason. Social trust is the idea that I will believe what my peers tell me before I will ever believe what an expert tells me. This is because my peer group is like me. They are similar to me. They understand and experience the same daily grind that I do. I trust my social group more than I trust anyone else. The power of social trust comes into play when new ideas are brought in by change agents. They will always face resistance. If you have a new idea, you can rest assured it will face resistance. And it's not because the people are being resistors. It's simply because of social trust. So how do we get around these two powerful inhibitors of change? Let's go through a list. I have brainstormed a few ideas and researched a few ideas that I believe may help. That said, I also realize conformity bias and social trust are even working against me in this very podcast. So let's see how far we can get. Let's start with the inward journey. Making change is often about experiencing change ourselves. So here's a list of five ways to start initiating change. Number one, appreciate those around you. Number two, express more vulnerability. Number three, get to a point where you actually feel comfortable in who you are and not who you think people want you to be. Number four, Reconnect with people who've grown distant from you. And number five, switch up your day-to-day routine. The personal change you experience may get you thinking and experiencing more empathy on giving change to others. Now, here's five more ideas on how to make change meaningful or positive. Number one, do your due diligence. Dig in and do the research to know if your change that you hope to see is actually going to have the impact it should. Number two, appeal not only to the head, but more importantly, to the heart. Number three, focus on what's close to you, on the things that you actually have an impact on. Number four, Develop influence skills. It's not just wanting to do it and doing it. There's a skill set involved. And number five, ask, ask, ask good questions. Now, let's look at five more how-to strategies on how to lead a team. Number one, communicate clearly. Number two, delegate. And more than delegate, involve people in the process. Number three, identify your key players who already have influence and involve them first. Number four, use OKRs. I devoted an entire bonus episode to this, and I recommend you checking it out if you're unfamiliar with OKRs. And number five, you already know this one hold people accountable for change. So So yes, in the end, the Hungarian doctor died lonely in an asylum, but we are forever grateful for the change he sought to make. It doesn't have to be lonely in school leadership and you don't have to die, so to speak, before your change comes to pass. I'd love to hear what you're working on. I'd love to hear your struggles and challenges. And I'd love to hear your ideas and solutions for making change happen. You can leave your thoughts, comments, or questions at mafost.com slash pod. M-A-F-O-S-T dot slash pod. P-O-D. Thanks again for listening. Now let's go out there and make an impact.